What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome in to another episode of the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show, a proud member of Fantasy Points and the Fantasy Points Media Group. D-Mendy here, reminding you that if you use code TRIPLEPLAY22, you'll get a 10% discount with that code, and you get all the great tools accessed to you over at FantasyPoints.com. I'm joined by a dessert whose laugh is like my pre-workout for every baseball show. It's Art Tornabeni, a.k.a. Little Cheesecake DLC. LC, how's it going? It's going pretty well. I'm, 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 I'm having some technical difficulties. Can, can you hear me right now? Is this going okay? Can you hear me? I can't can see you guys. You. This something. Okay, good. <laughs> this is great. Please, please, I'll be able to participate because I can't see anybody right now. Uh, um, you know, it's, it's, it's going well. Excited to be talking baseball. Excited to be talking baseball with y'all. Art, which finger am I giving you? <laughs> Probably not a nice one. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to watch it back. Uh, no doc, but of course, we are also joined by the man that I would call the Jeff Passon of the Triple Play group chat. It's Marty Tallman, a.k.a. Marty Party. What's up? That is probably the nicest thing you've ever said to me. I don't know if that's oh. because of my rugged good looks or that's because I'm hilarious. But um, either way, I'll take it. And unfortunately, though, I don't have any NFTs like Jeff Passon. So sorry. No, you don't, but it, you definitely are the one that breaks the news the most. Like we're laying down and then I get like the, the group chat blowing up and you send like a screenshot of a tweet and I'm like, oh man, like Marty's hip. I got to, I'm catching up to the news. You are the insider, uh, but the good looks also, I'll, I'll give you that too. I'll give you Thank that you. too. Thank you. Uh, no doc tonight, as I mentioned, he's feeling a little under the weather, so you can expect a huge upgrade of a show tonight. And how can we expect a bigger upgrade than just with no doc? Well, we have a very special guest, someone that you've heard his voice on these airwaves quite a few times. We welcome in a man that we know on the streets here as Cakey Smalls. Where you can find this man, well, let me tell you, you can find his stuff at Fantasy Sports Degens, Roto Baller, Fantrax, and now Fantasy Pros. This man hosts the Metallica of baseball podcasts and benched with Bubba and Bubba and the Batflip where my man is grinding two to three episodes a week, maybe even four these days. It's absolutely just, he's on another level. He's a team FSWA, Tout Wars, Fantasy Black Book, and always feels like part of this triple play fantasy team when he's on. We welcome in Casey Bubba. How's it going, my friend? My goodness, that was uh, absolutely amazing. What an introduction. Thank you much. And I thought I was going to have the only uh, bad quality uh, connection today, but thanks, Art. You, you, did, you did me proud, <laughs> Cheesecake. Um, but it's always great being here, guys. I love uh, love chatting with you. It's the first time chatting with Marty on this show. I've had all three of you guys on Bench with Bubba, which has been awesome. But, uh, yeah, I love, I love what you guys do. I've always said that. You guys are an awesome group. And uh, anytime I can sit down and chat for a bit, I'm always a fan. Hey, big fans of yours, all listeners of your show, and you do great work. As I mentioned before, you are cranking out podcast after podcast after podcast, and I know the type of schedule that you have outside of that. Where are you finding the time to do all this? Because you are like a superhuman right now. Well, uh, right now my work is kind of slow, so I'm kind of like sneaking home, doing a podcast, <laughs> going back to work, doing things like that, but uh Pretty soon, it's going to be a lack of sleep. It's that time of the year where I've, I've talked about it on many shows that once baseball season actually starts, which kind of is now, um, it's if I get five hours of sleep a night, we're doing good. So it's, this is where things happen. <laughs> and it's going to be even crazier because you're bringing back the DFS show uh, mm -hmm. in a few weeks, right? Yeah, quick hits will be back. A uh, couple things got taken off the table, which is fine by me. I'll just write more stuff. But quick hits will be back Monday through Fridays, 
in your ears first thing when you wake up and uh, we'll get you ready. And like I've told people, like a shameless plug, you don't have to play DFS to enjoy it. It'll help you with like your daily leagues. It'll help you just kind of keep up to date with things. So it's like 20 to 30 minutes, runs you through the day, in and out. And uh, I think most people will enjoy it. And you get back in black for ACDC. So if you're having your cup of coffee in the morning and you little jolt to pick you up, you get some, some black and black going to get you going. It's fantastic. As somebody that got into fantasy baseball DFS a little bit more uh, last year, that listening to you or and even two years ago, I was doing it a little bit too, but like hearing you do that type of stuff for people that aren't familiar, like if you do a lot of NFL DFS, like you're familiar with how you're going to, you know, potentially just stack a lineup. Like if you're, if you're like, you know, the Kansas city chiefs are going to go off and you're, you're stacking in a bring back, you kind of make the concepts very easily to, to translate there. You kind of go through lineups that are going to do well pitchers that you might want to go against. It's a very, if you are thinking of going into MLB DFS, that's the podcast for you. You make it very easy for them to translate it. It's just a, it's just a little table setter to get your mind right for the day and a lot can change the lineups and everything, but just kind of gives you the layout of the day and you can start making your decisions from there. Cause as you said, it's a lot different than NFL. There's a lot of moving parts and, uh, one for four is good if it's a home run, not a single. So mm-hmm. it's just one of those things. Yeah, for sure. And that's, again, just one of the many great things you're doing. But we're glad you're bringing that greatness to us tonight because we've got our starting pitcher preview part one. And specifically, we're going to be looking at the starting pitchers going anywhere from the first spot to the 30th spot. And we're going to be talking about pitchers that we like, pitchers we might be fading and more. And there's obviously a lot in between. There's disagreements, debates, tons of great information that can help when you're drafting your fantasy baseball team. So make sure you stay tuned for that. After we'll go to our bullpen for our question of the week. And Bubba, I got to be honest with you. I, I have to apologize because I sent you the wrong question because oh. it was supposed to be Doc's question and we had okay, to flip flop. Well, then I'll so, be throw it'll be it'll be live. You'll get my instant reaction live. Yeah, so I'm going to wait to tell you until we get there just to make you really think about it. But it's a good question and a good game prepared by Marty. So you guys are ready to get this started. Then let's hop right in and let's go and let's talk about these pitchers. And I think you guys, unless you guys have a very strong inclination to talk about Garrett Cole or Corbin Burns, they're one and two. And everybody's drafting them as one and two. There's not really a downside to them at this point. So why don't we skip them and let's look at three through ten. And let's look at that range and who you feel like in this area that you find yourself trying to draft as much of if you can. Most likely these guys are going in the second round, these pitchers, unless you're in a points league. So Bob, I'm going to go to you first. And in this three through 10 range, you're a big fan of a Milwaukee Brewer that's been just a big dynamite pitcher over the last couple of seasons. Yeah, it doesn't hurt that they're going to be facing the, um, the the minor league team of the Cincinnati Reds this year. So that's going to be a big plus the way things are going there. But Brandon Woodruff, um, for all 30 that we're going to be going through here, um, you can make probably positive arguments for majority of them because they're all pretty much studs. But we're talking Brandon Woodruff, and you're talking about um, NFBC or just fancy in general. You want innings eaters, and Woodruff's just a horse. He's an absolute horse out there. Uh, 179 innings last year. The K rates have been phenomenal year after year, and the ratios are great. He's pretty much helping you across the board. And the, the easy, like, lazy joke I always make is if Corbin Burns wasn't Corbin Burns last year, we'd all know a lot more about Brandon Woodruff. Like, he was that good, um, especially if you played DFS because there were so many starts he'd go into Wrigley, and he'd throw, like, seven, give up one run and strike out 11. And then the next day, Burns would almost throw a no-hitter. 
so you just forget all about what Woodruff just did. So I love Woodruff. He's going to get the ball every fifth day. Hasn't shown really any injury concerns. You know he got 170-plus. He has the potential to go 200-plus, which not many guys do. Doesn't walk a ton of guys. Uh, I, I don't really need to go too much longer on. He's just an absolute horse. And when I'm, I'm drafting early, because as you get deeper into drafts, it's it's tough to find those innings eaters. And he's, he's one that I'd, I'll, I'll put my uh, rotation behind if I can. Yeah, most of the projection systems have him going anywhere from like 170 to 180 innings. His strikeout totals, his K per nine has been double digits over the last three seasons. You know, walking about two batters per nine, home runs per nine, usually around one or less. I mean, if you look across the board, there's not really anything that you that's obviously you don't like here. These the, uh, expected stats all fit right in line with an elite pitcher. And while we're just having all this Brandon Woodruff love, that's what LC likes as well. So LC, anything you would like to add? I just think, um, like like Bubba said, he's gone under the radar. He almost seems like boring, even though he's amazing, <laughs> because because you go, oh, what did Brandon Woodruff do? He he. He struck out 10, gave up one, two earned runs. You know, last season he had a 2.56 ERA. He's basically been elite since, since the second half of 2019. Um, you know, and, and 2021, which was amazing, was basically the same stats as he put up in 2020 over that shortened season. So he's, he's kind of proving that he, he is who we think he is. And, uh, you know, I love where he's going. He's just super solid. He's built like a horse and he looks like someone who's, who's, who's a, who's a horse out there. Uh, I'm taking him. I like him where he's going and I'm, and I'm, I'm picking him over a couple of guys that he's going behind actually. Let me, let me uh, throw one, a couple, two more things real quick. Um, his, K per walk last year was 20.7%. He's been 22% or better the last three years. Like over 20% elite. Like that's our that's what I consider elite. Only like 15 to 20 guys do it a year, starting pitchers wise. So it's pretty darn impressive. And and just for a fun antidote, I'm doing a slow draft right now just because I'm bored and that's what we do. Um, it's a 12 team league. I had the fourth pick. I went Cole Woodruff to start out the draft. Pretty pumped on that one. Oh just my god! <laughs> what, wait, what pick did you have? I had the fourth pick, so I took Cole at four, and Woodruff fell all the way back into my lap. I was very, very happy. So, yeah, we're good. Wow. That is fantastic. Oh, my God. Um, it, and, I mean, just to add on, too, if you if you look at a StatCast page, I mean, you would have thought someone committed a murder. There's so much blood red there. It's just unbelievable. Like, across the board, the man is just very consistent, does what he needs to do, Uh Hard hit rates was was one of the most elite top 10% of the league last year. Does not give up very hard contact. Exit velocity, top 8% of the league in terms of the weak contact he was allowing. So, yeah, very much no more on Woodruff. But, Marty, your pitcher that you have, Shane Bieber, is actually one of the pitchers I think I have the most of, and not on purpose, just kind of where I've been in drafts and he's fallen to me. Shane Bieber is a very polarizing player from someone who was a top three pitcher consensus last year just now someone who's usually kind of going back into the second, early third. Do you like Shane Bieber a lot this year? I absolutely love him. And I mean, I've had Bieber fever here for a couple of years, so that obviously does play into it, but yeah, he's your 2020 AL Cy Young award winner. And um, let's just, uh, everyone get ready. We're gonna do a little bit of story time. So I'm going to hop on to his Twitter page because um, a fan asked him, how's the shoulder doing going to be 100% when the season starts question mark. And Bieber did answer. He said, been 100% for a while now. Been working in silence. That's just how I like to do it. So I think the biggest question is, is Bieber's shoulder going to be ready for day one? Coming from the horse mouth, he says he's absolutely ready to go. 
looking ahead is ADP. I love the idea with, especially this year, you can start off with two elite bats and be able to get Bieber as your third pick or as your, you know, uh, your third pick off the board there. So he can be your ace. Um, and people say last year he didn't do too well, but if you actually look at his stats, he was fine. So in 2021, he had an ERA of 3.17, a FIP of 3.03, and an XFIP of 2.91. Piggybacking off of what uh, Bubba said as far as the, the uh, strikeout minus walk percentage, it was 24.9. So um, everything's looking great there. I think, again, health is the thing that we're concerned with him the most, but he's, uh, he's good to go. And the L Central is still not that good. Well, speaking of AL Central, Marty, would you say he's the Chase Anderson of the Cleveland Guardians staff? Because the Tigers just signed Chase Anderson to a minor league deal. Um, uh, You know what? Chris Illich is breaking my heart every step of the way. (laughs) The man refuses to sign anybody. We're just sitting there on the sideline watching all these beautiful cars drive by, and they're not doing anything. I wish he would sell the team. He was one of the four (laughs) guys that didn't want to have the increase um, um, CBT or whatever it's called. So, um, yeah. Yeah, whatever. Thanks. Thanks for you're bringing welcome. it up. Why you're would welcome. we want to talk about that? Because I like seeing you squirm. So you're <laughs> welcome, buddy. Um, yeah, I, I like Shane Bieber a lot too. I, I, I mean, Marty, I'm gonna ask you here. You see on the board over the last two weeks on NFBC, he's the tenth pitcher off the board. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he's the the uh, ninth starter off the board. Because Josh Hader's going number nine. Where would you rank him in terms of starting pitchers? If you had, I have, to- yeah, I, I mean, hey, definitely ahead of Wheeler. Um, definitely ahead of DeGrom. Um, I think that's where he kind of settles in right behind Woodruff. Okay. So you have him as SP seven, mm-hmm. but I guess also with Shohei Otani that he's ranked there because he's a yeah, hitter. So six. S- okay. SP six. I think I'm right there with you, buddy. I think that's where I would have him as well. Let's go to the other side of the coin. Let's go back to Bubba and somebody that you're fading in, uh, this range is who I'm fading Zach Wheeler. And it's just kind of like the layup kind of deal here but mm-hmm. and he could totally prove me wrong but that shoulder injury they're saying you know he's going to throw on to yeah, tuesday and throw a bullpen tuesday see how things go we'll see um they're not really super optimistic he'll be ready for opening day okay if he still throws like you know five five and a half months of the season it's probably still good but coming off 213 innings pitch last year after uh you know 71 in 2020 and 195 in 2019 that's a heck of a, of a workload, and eventually that shoulder or, or some point in that arm is going to get a little little grumpy, and it seems like it's happened to him. And it's just what we're seeing with so many guys right now, not being able to use the team's facilities, the team's doctors, the team's rehab stuff. There's so many goofy injuries, not mentioning Tatis can't even ride a motorcycle. But um, just the shoulder issue with Wheeler just concerns me enough that these pitchers are all so good, you got to kind of find that little thing to separate the two. And so if I got to pick my poisons, I'm going to pass on the guy that's already got an injury, knowing that there's a good chance all of these guys will get an injury at some point in time. So I'm going to not go into the season with one already type deal. So Zach Wheeler right now, again, this hasn't fully updated from since the injury. There'll be obviously his ADP is going to go down with this news. Where do you think you feel comfortable taking him, Bubba? Do you feel like if he slips to you like in the middle of the third, you would take him or does he have to slip farther than that? Like when, when it first happened, people were asking me on Twitter, and I was kind of saying around four ish would make me feel better because then he's like your SP2, maybe even SP3, depends on how aggressive you are. Like that Cole Woodruff thing, it's my first pocket aces of the season. I'm usually waiting till round three or four. Um, he, I wouldn't let him be my ace, I'll tell you that much. But just for instance, you know, all these earth drafts are going on, and um, the scarf draft down in Southern California, 
He went in the back end around five. Wow. In, in a 15 team league. I would have jumped for joy to get him in the back end <laughs> around five. Like, you know, it's like the million dollar man said, everyone's got a price. Well, uh, Zach Wheeler in round five would in a 15 team league would be outstanding. So I don't think I'm going to jump him in the first two or three rounds, but round four will be good. But just watch. He'll have a great bullpen on Tuesday and everyone will be excited. again, just like they were Jacob DeGrom after Monday and we'll be back on this boat and uh, you can take your gambles as you wish. Yeah, I'm with you, though. I think I'd have to to get him probably somewhere in round four because if you already have some type of questions now, you have to use a lot of early draft capital on him, and that's a scary thought. Mm-hmm. I want to go to you really quick, though, LC, because we talked about Shane Bieber a second ago, and you're on the flip side with Shane Bieber. You're out mm-hmm. on him here. Is it just, are you concerned about the shoulder, even though he said he was healthy? Uh, absolutely. I think that um, last season showed you know when he came back and pitched towards the end i was happy that he pitched uh, he finished the season on the mound but you know his velo was down his pitch mix was different last season than it had been in his breakout in his 2020 cy young season he was throwing the slider a lot more cut down on his change up and cutter usage so i think that you know the slider is just a pitch that is naturally a little bit more taxing on the elbow and taxing on the arm so i i I am kind of in a wait and see mode with with Bieber. Uh, just just like um, I, I'd like to see him, you know, back out there hitting that ninety four like he was doing in twenty twenty when he was putting up those ace type numbers. If if he's if he's back and he's ninety two ninety three, I think he's going to have a little bit of trouble to to uh, to have, be as effective as he was. So I, I'm just playing kind of wait and see with with Bieber right now. I've taken him as high actually earlier in the draft season. I took him at like 25, um, and but as as my thinking has progressed on him, I I just think that that he didn't show enough towards the end for me to be comfortable taking him as one of my as my top pitcher. Yeah, it, I mean, again, the concerns if I can understand that, but. He is definitely, you know, depending on the draft, he's sliding some and you have to decide what when the risk is worth taking him. And I think for someone like me and Marty, that's earlier. For someone like ULC, you're okay taking him if, if he falls a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marty, I got to ask you because I was with you on your love. I'm not as much with you on your fate. I'm a big Aaron Nola guy this year. I think he's going to be, I mean, if you want to go into the narrative of his even and odd years, if you want to go... <clears throat> That you know that that kind of elementary style of reasoning, or if you want to just go in the fact that he had one of the most biggest differences in his expected stats to his actual stats last year, why are you so anti Nola this year? Well, I, you know what? We'll start off with something elementary. You know when you just, you know when you just been burned too many times. You know? <laughs> yes. And so you know, I, I'd like to think that I, I grow each year, you know, and I have the ability to you know move on from somebody, and I have moved on from Aaron Nola. And yeah, you look at his, uh, I mean, his ex, uh, his his ERA last year was four point six three, but then when you look at his expected stats, it was three point three seven across the board, expected ERA, xFIP, FIP. So everything looks great there, but there's just I just I just can't get behind it. And what I see, and this is going to be one of those instances where I actually prefer to have Lucas Giolito. So it's, it's not mm. necessarily that I dislike Aaron Nola. It's just that if I'm going to be, you know, let's say Bieber goes, you know, and um, Hader's gone and I can't get a, an elite closer, I'm going to pivot to Lucas Giolito. I think there's a lot more upside with wins there. Um, I think you're still going to be able to get the Ks. And I just, I'm just, I'm just out on him. I, I am, I am done with, I'm done with Mr. Nola. Are you guys Bubba and um, 
and Art, would you guys all be going Giolito over Nola as well? I would not be. I love them both. Don't get me wrong, but I'm still Nola. Um, I guess it's for the strikeouts more than anything because at worst, he's going to get a lot of Ks. Where Gio, he showed his, his ups and downs last year. Trust me, I had a ton of Gio last year. So I get it. He was one of my dudes. But um, there is a lot to like about him. Still, like Alex Fast put a tweet out there on Monday that uh, his first half or second half are, are post sticky stuff. Uh, ban with the slider usage. Those are very promising numbers because those are what uh, we know. If you do like Gito, you know the pitch mix and what he's got to do. So I don't blame Marty for liking Gio. Like last year, he was my dark horse Cy Young Award winner. Like I, I love what Gito can do. I just think Nola. It's not even the odd even thing. I think there's, you know, I, I believe in luck and unluck. People think it's like lazy, but uh, he had a lot of unluckiness last year, a lot of it. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot to come back with him. So I, I like Noel a little more, but I can't. It's like 1A, 1B type stuff. It, it's really close. Bubba, let me ask you something. What about the DH being implemented in the NL? Do we see, you know, those numbers, the numbers are going to go a little up, you know? What do we it think? Could. It could. I, I'm not – I guess there is legit, like, science behind there should be numbers going up. I'm not going too crazy with that because, like, the Giants, the Dodgers, I bet you you can name probably 10 of the 15 teams – are going to use it as a day off position. It's not even going to be like like the Nats wouldn't got Nelson Cruz. That's a designated hitter. Yes, um, most teams aren't going to have Nelson Cruz. So that's that's the you know, given. Nola's going to face Nelson Cruz. So you got that going for you. But uh, like you look at their division, the Braves. What are they going to get? Maybe Jorge Soler or Adam Duvall at DH. Like that's good, but you can strike him out three times when you give him up that one bomb. So it's just I'm not too concerned yet with that in the National League. It will be a difference, yes, but. I think some smart people said like tack on like a third to a half of a run of ERA, which could be a big difference if he's I got a four two, like for sure. But I'm not gonna be super crazy just yet. Well, and last thing I'll say, the NL East is absolutely stacked. And when oh, you yeah. look at the AL yeah. Central, I mean they're gonna be playing a lot of the Royals, yeah. a lot of the Tigers, you know, a lot of the Guardians. I like if you all look those at my matchups. if you look at my fantasy rosters, it's a lot of AL and NL Central pitchers for the most part, and a lot of Detroit Tigers bats. So yep, that, that. that's where we live. Like you, you comment on it all the time. I legit like, <laughs> like two second sidetrack. I uh, someone asked me to give like my top five. Like we all have way more than the five guys we're targeting in drafts, but I gave like five of them. I didn't even realize I was doing it. Three of the five were Detroit Tigers players. So there we go. Uh, one thing I will say about Nola, he's somebody that had a lot of bad luck last year. If you look at Nola's fly ball percentage, it nearly doubled from his twenty twenty data is also six and a half percent higher than his last full season in 2019 and if you look he also had 82 two strike hits which was tied for the most in baseball and of his 26 home runs allowed 12 of those came in two strike counts 11 with runners on base and 10 on his signature curveball which obviously his curveball is the pitch that he put away batters at a 41 percent clip in 2020 and i mean you look at also still he had a 29.8 strikeout percentage last year which was the largest of any full season in his career, the fifth best K to walk for, uh, rate in baseball at all of baseball last year, and fifth in the National League in 223 strikeouts. Now, Rob Silver pointed out that Nola had an 84th percentile swinging strike rate on his changeup, and his knuckle curve had an 80th percentile swinging strike rate. And if you have pitchers with two pitches that get those types of swing and misses, that's something I'm going to bet to bounce back better this year. So I think he was just extremely unlucky, and that's why I think if you buy the dip now. And you get him as your SP2. I'll take that all day long. All day. Um, 
let's go now to let's go to the next range. This is my favorite range. This is like kind of where you can start differentiating if you're if you're building, you know, starting to build the yellow brick road. If you're deciding that you want to attack hitters here, but you wait for pitchers later and you don't and you fade this group. This is where we can kind of get interesting. So Bubba, in this range, who is someone you find yourself drafting a ton of? Well, I'm going to be nice because I took Art's first one with Woodruff. I'll let him have the floor with Peralta, and then and then I'll take it because I want to hear what, what Cheesecake has to say. <laughs> Go ahead, Elsie. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I, I am biased. I, I did want to mention, we forgot to mention that um, that's, uh, Julio Urias is in the best shape of his life. Ah, there we go. We need the time guy. So many best shape of their so many <laughs> shape of their life tweets right now. It's amazing. Looking svelte. He look. He showed up looking svelte to camp. I just we, I wanted to put that out there. A little bit of you know RTZ, the the beat reporter here. Um, but uh, Freddie Peralta, I I I think that um, Freddie is is someone who's who pitched 144 innings. It looked like it was this massive jump, someone who had been sort of a relief pitcher, quote-unquote. But if you look at his minor league, he pitched 140 innings in 2018, 120 in 2017. I think that the projections of around 160 innings for him are really, really good. Now, if you look at his season last year, his first half, he had a 131 batting average against uh, with 12.4K per nine to four walks per nine. His second half was was sort of a different uh, different story he brought down his walks to 2.3 walks per nine brought down his k's from 12.4 to a really really good 11.7 k per nine and the batting average went up a little bit but when you put it all together his second half even if you get like the reduced second half numbers it was under it was a three points under 3.7 era 229 batting average against and still 11.7 k per nine and that was playing out the end of his first full season as a starter in the major leagues. I, I picked up Peralta in a, in a, in a league last year and he was my ace. So obviously I love what he gave me last year. I think that that K per nine, the added, uh, the added innings that he's going to have, not to mention the fact that Milwaukee really knows how to, to, to use their pitchers. He's, he's in the consistent, uh, consistent location, uh, from last season, he's not having to adapt to anything new. I think you're going to see a continued progression of his of his talent. Um, so I think that you know he's he's 26. He only had one really poor month all of last year. Otherwise, he was consistently pretty good. August was his really only poor month of last year. So I just think that when you consider how Milwaukee does with their pitching, how how he showed last year, how elite he could be, I think he's actually kind of a safe pick where he's going. Now, I, I do have this question for you, LC. Nick Pollock's brought up that he, not a, he doesn't love pitchers that throw across their bodies as far as the consistency that they have. And I think that's not something that's going to last long-term. Is that something that scares you with how his delivery is, that he maybe not can't be quite as consistent as he was this past season? I mean, I, I'm never going to argue with Nick Pollock on a pitcher. I think he, <laughs> he would have 37 stats to back up anything that he says. I just think that Peralta is a guy who's been doing it. He's been pitching this way his whole life. It seems as though he's just, you know, going through the progression. He's entering his prime. He's entering his prime years and he's coming in with, uh, with, in a really good spot coming off of a really good season where he looks to be taking like another further step forward. Now I don't expect him to get, you know, the, the elite, 
ERA that he had last year, but he doesn't need to to return what you're where you're drafting him as long as you get those K's and uh, and the and the good whip that he showed last year. All right, Bubba, it's your chance to hop in the ring. Anything you'd like to add with Peralta? Uh, just a couple things is um, Cheesecake mentioned just the, the awesome numbers and the walks are concerning. That that is definitely one thing with Peralta for longevity. But we saw what they did last year. It was funny because everyone's on Josh Lindblom. It was supposed to be like Lindblom starting, Peralta kind of piggybacking. That lasted half a start. And then it was just Peralta's job the rest of the season, and they were cool with it. And the big thing with Peralta is he uh, definitely altered up his pitch mix. He started adding pitches. That was the big concern is, you know, he's mainly a two-pitch guy. Can he sustain it in the rotation? And, you know, he became a heavy – still very heavy fastball guy, but the slider's there, the curveball's there. And he even started throwing, a, you know, a changeup almost 10% of the time. So he's now like a four-pitch pitcher. And even if he could almost start using the fastball even less, it's very – it's effective. But start mixing in some of those other off-speed pitches, he might be even better. And, and the last thing I'll mention is – the 144 innings last year is the argument I keep hearing this year is, oh, you know, you can't give you the innings, this, that, and the other. But you know who else couldn't really give innings before last year? His name was Corbin Burns. So um, I'm just going to say the, the Brewers, we talk about the Giants and these other teams that are really good with pitching and young pitching. Well, you got Woodruff that had the same kind of go. You had Burns do what did the same thing. Maybe this is Freddie Peralta this year. Let's just like throw that out there for two seconds and say, hey, they're doing something right because maybe it's Ashby's year next year. Like they have this like slew of talent that you just see this incline. It's like the yodeler on Price is Right, and he's about to fall off. And this is this is Freddie Peralta's turn to take that next step. I love Freddie Peralta. I think he's got like she said a, a a good floor, but the ceiling I think is humongous. Especially if he can just like even if he cuts back like one or two walks every like couple starts. Like that'll just let him go maybe another inning, which is another two Ks. Maybe increases the like win probabilities. I think there's a lot to like with Freddie Peralta. I'm willing to be wrong on Freddie Peralta. So he has a min pick of 39. Maybe that might have been my league. I don't know. <laughs> so that you're that high on him. So you're I don't think I'd go that high, but I, I like him a lot. I would take him overall. The guy above him is on my fade list. So there's there's a few guys yeah. there. But I, I really truly do like I'd be willing to have an Aaron Nola versus Freddie Peralta conversation. Okay. I, I, I mean, I'm here for it. I think Freddie Peralta, like you guys mentioned, did show positive strides last year. You've seen the Brewers track record with how they're developing pitchers. So there's a lot to like about Freddie Peralta for sure. Yeah, and not for- only that, but they also turned Omar Narvaez into a good catcher too. I mean, this is this coaching staff is really talented. I mean, Narvaez went from a guy who was like, you just want him so he can hit. So now it seems like he's a really darn good catcher. So it, it, I think the coaching staff in, in Milwaukee is doing a real nice job with that staff and with how they're managing all the players involved with that staff. Yeah. Marty, you brought this guy's name up before, so I'm going to allow you to take the floor and talk about your guy, Lucas Giolito. Well, first I just want to say shout-out to Bubba. Working in a, a Price, is right, uh, Price is Right cliffhangers reference, and I absolutely love that. Um, so yeah, Lucas Giolito, I already touched on, you know, I think the, the ability to get wins is there, um, an easier division than most last year. He had a 3.53 ERA, a 3.30 X ERA, his strikeout minus walk percentage was 20.7 and, uh, 2019, he had a 32.3 K percentage and 2020 he had a 33.7. It dipped a little last year, um, down to 28, but I think he's, he hovers around 30%. 
Um, so yeah, where he's going currently, um, I think he's going to be, he's a sure bet. He's going to go 100, get you 180 innings, 200 strikeouts. He's on a good team. Just nice and easy, simple. And I remember we had debates about Lucas Giolito versus Sandy Alcantara in our, uh, battle of the podcast draft, but I don't know if you knew all four of us were drafting the same team together. And so it was very hard to make draft picks because it's, uh, when four people have their heads together. We kind of just were like, all right, you kind of had your lead on this pick. I feel strongly about this pick. Between those two guys, Alcantara and Giolito, do you have a favorite of those two? You're asking me? Yeah. I go Gio. Um, I understand the Alcantara love. I get it. I was I loved him last year because I got just wanted a guy that could eat up innings. Well, now the Helium has arrived with Alcantara as well. And you're you're paying a price. He's darn good, but he's still on Miami. We have I it's just there's still some question marks for me with him, and uh, maybe I'm just kind of overthinking things. I'd rather take my chances with Geo, so I, I'd go Geo. And a lot of people are going to hate that answer. I know. No, I, I think Marty and LC were Geo, and then Doc and me were Sandy Alcantara. So it, I think it's we, I think went it's very G- split. we went Giolito. We it's, did. It's a it's a fair conversation. Like and that's what I said at the beginning is. In each set of ten that we're going to talk about, you could legit make fair arguments for almost every guy in there. Like it's, it's really just kind of pick your preference. Or like I said with some of these guys, I'm literally just finding one little thing to tell myself no. And it's I could be totally wrong because that the pitching pool's deep this year. It really is. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, we kind of had you and Bubba and and uh, Elsie. You guys were both loving Freddie Peralta. The same token, Marty and Bubba. You guys are both not liking Robbie Ray this year. And you know what? I'm going to let you slide, Marty, because you didn't spell Robbie Ray's name right in the private I know, chat. I know, Come on. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to let it slide just because I like, I like him. The guy can't get anything right. <laughs> so yeah. why don't you tell us, besides getting his name wrong, what else is wrong for Robbie Ray this year? Yeah, that's you know what? I can quickly do that, but I want um, I want to hear from Bubba. But l- let me just give you some numbers here. So the last time that Robbie Ray was absolutely, you know, was a good pitcher. Um, by the way, his over eight, uh, over the last eight years, he has a 4.00 ERA. I know he's made adjustments, so that doesn't, you know, necessarily mean too much. But just speaking to a little bit to his inconsistency. So in 2018, where he had, you know, a, a solid year, he had a 3.93 ERA. In 2019, 4.34. 2020, a 7.84 ERA. Um, you know, and so everything I'm seeing from him, I just, I'm not going to completely buy into his absolutely stellar year last year. I like that he made the move to Seattle, you know, I, for him, that's a, an arrow up in his direction, working in that park and getting out of the AL East. But I just, nope, I just can't do it. I need a longer track record. There are so many people in this, um, in this range who I 100% believe in the Gilito, Alcantara, Peralta, everybody I'd rather have than him. Look, uh, before uh, Bubba kind of caps that off, I'm with you guys for sure on it because I have him actually as my SP31 as it stands today. I think he's going to take a step back this year. I I, I have not seen a consistent enough track record for him. What he was good with last year, him just throwing it down the middle of the plate and then letting the movement take over is not something that I'm confident is can translate well year to year. It's not something tangible that I'm like, okay, he's this is something that can stick. So. I'm very scared out everything outside strikeouts for him, even though it's an upgraded ballpark and a better division for him. I'm still very scared. Bubba, what else would you like to add about Robbie Ray? Cause I, again, I think we're going to all feel the same about him. Yeah. It's, it's like Marty said, the good thing is he went to Seattle. Now he gets to play the A's 
and uh, you know the improved Rangers in a good pitcher's ballpark. Like the the move was was good. Let's put it that way. But you're t- like I hate paying for a guy's career year, and that's what you just got with Robbie Ray. I hate it. You have nowhere to go but down in my mind with a guy mm-hmm. like Robbie Ray. Could he still be pretty good? Sure, if he was a seventh round pick, that'd be great. But he's not. And you look at his, his deeper numbers here. Like he threw the fastball more, like t- almost twelve percent more than he did la- uh, in 2020. And he got a, he got a velo bump that was good. But if you just look at the difference in effectiveness of the fastball over the last two years, like he ran pure. As you mentioned, those pitches down the middle of the plate. I can't remember what debate it was. It was you know, when we were bored in December, it was a long Twitter thread of people throwing in there some smart, smart people about how successful he was over the heart of the plate and how likely that is to continue is not very good. So it's um, it's just common sense. Like the old joke is every major league baseball player can hit a 95 mile hour fastball. That's why they're major league baseball players. So if you keep throwing it enough, they're going to pound you. That's just the way it's going to go. I don't care who you are. Um, if he does great, so be it. I will not have him on my team. Because the other thing is he dropped that walk rate so much. That has always been his problem. He's always been a nibbler. You mentioned last year down the middle of the plate. I have a feeling if he has any issues again, he starts nibbling again, and we're back in trouble. So I, I'm just no Robbie Ray for me. Yeah, I mean, like you said, paying for a career year is always something that's a little scary. And for the most part, most people don't do it. Like Corbin Burns last year was something, you know, kind of people were talking about the same thing. And, you know, people with Lucas Giolito when he first started looking like a new pitcher, that was something people like. I think if you use this type of draft capital, you want to make sure that you're getting the pitcher that you feel like you can replicate from what you saw last season. And, and like we mentioned, the way that he did it isn't something that we feel very strongly about. So I'm, I'm with you guys for sure. LC. The guy that you have is somebody that's taking his place in Toronto, mm-hmm. but it's somebody that's also you're paying for his career year and somebody that's going in a much worse situation. So tell us a little bit about Kevin Gaussman. Um, Kevin Gaussman, first year on a big contract coming off of his career year, new place, new coaching, new catcher, new opponents, well, familiar AL East opponents. But um, the question is, is, has Kevin Gossman found a new level? I think that's the question you have to ask yourself. Is he on a new level? And I think if you break down last season, uh, pardon me to say this, it looks kind of like some of his good seasons in Baltimore. <laughs> Other than that, like he was a little bit, a little bit better in the better half of his seasons. Because in Baltimore, he was bad for the first half. Almost every season, he pitched a full season. He was bad for the first half and pretty darn good in the second half. In San Francisco last year, he was really good in the first half, really good, and pretty bad in the second half, actually. His ERA ballooned from a 1.8 in the first half to a 4.4 in the second half. So I think uh, for for my I, – I come out on this question that I think Gossman hasn't found a new level. I think that Gossman had better better coaching. He also had you know one of the best catchers we're going to see in our in our lifetime – catching him behind the plate last year. Uh, and he's not going to have that in Toronto. And um, I also, you know, this is that also classic fade guys on the first year of a big contract thought as well. There's a lot of pressure on him to come in and be, and be excellent. So I think that uh, just combined with the fact that I, I feel like, like he, he had the same sort of good half, bad half season that, that we're used to seeing from him. It just was, just a little bit better of a good half, bad half season than he had been doing in Baltimore. That I don't really necessarily say, oh, wow, look at this new level he's at because 
he still had a really pretty poor second half last year, actually. To your point, a 5.11 ERA in July, 3.16 in August, 4.64 in September. So, yeah, like you've mentioned, it, and a whip 1.21 or above each of those three months as well. So that is could be a serious concern, but sometimes you get really lucky and you have a fan of the team that they pitched for on your show that could give you firsthand experience from watching them pitch. Bubba, what are your thoughts about Kevin Gosman? Do you think it's someone we should be concerned about? Well, I was anti-Gosman last year, if it makes you feel any better. And that, <laughs> that, that backfired just because someone that relies on a split finger that much is terrifying because if you lose, you can lose that pitch pretty quickly. And that's, uh, you want to mention Nick Pollock again, that's been one of his bugaboos. So he's proven mm-hmm. wrong on that last year. We'll see where it keeps going. He's awesome. He's he's a he's a bulldog. Like watching him pitch every fifth day, the first half of the season, I felt much comfortable, much more comfortable. It's like okay, we got an ace on the mound. Roller coaster in the second half. I think he'll be okay. I don't have any shares of him in drafts. I'm not willing to take him. I'm willing to take other guys around him. Um, I'll mention another stat on Toronto on the next guy I talk about, but um, I think he'll be okay there. It's just. You know, going from the NLS and that ballpark to Toronto and the AL East, it's a it's a transition. I want you to say, yeah, I mean, goodness, the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Rays, all in that division. Uh, it's gonna be very tough for him. Very, very tough. So, just kind of like Robbie Ray, I think a lot of us are pretty much out on Kevin Gosman. Does, does anybody here? Bubba said he has no shares. I actually haven't drafted him once. Marty or or Elsie, do you have him in any teams? Zero. No. Well, off the, clear across the board. No, no shares of Kevin Gosman this year. All right, now let's go well, to the if you last. Come on the show, Gosman. We'll talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> Kevin Gosman. If you come on, you know what? Then we we might draft you a little bit here. Um, let's go to the last area here. This is pitchers twenty-one to thirty, and we're going to talk about the guys first that we're targeting in this range. So, but let me go back to you. And we were talking about Toronto, and you kind of already hinted at it. So why don't you tell us about the Toronto pitcher that you do like here? I am a humongous Jose Barrios fan. Uh, first off, quick stat. He seems like he's been pitching forever. He's turning 28 in May. So he's not even that old, which is bonkers. Like, we do this pretty much, I guess, on our full-time jobs, but it feels like a living. We do this kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. And I always laugh when, like, I look at, at, at different players. I'm like, like, a couple years ago, Salvi was 29 years old. I'm like, goodness gracious. Like, what, what is going on here? So, like, when I see, like, Burrios, he's literally 27 as we speak. I'm like, God. Like, he feels like he's been here forever. But former Giants prospect. Good job, guys. But um, people always look at Burrios and say he doesn't strike guys out. And that's, like, he's kind of a Stroman-esque type guy. And that, that bugs me quite a bit. 26% K rate last year. He had a 25% or better K rate in three of the last four years. Yes, my wonderful co-host on Bubba and the Bat Flip pointed out to me that he did so much damage in three-two counts last year. I get it. I go. I've heard that from everybody now. But you know what? He did it. And he's but my and he's done it three of the last four years, is my point. It wasn't just like a one-year thing with Barrios. And he pitched very well when he went to Toronto. It wasn't just like people people were concerned when he went to Toronto to be a problem. So my thing for Toronto I was going to mention is they put a humidor in that we didn't find out about till after the season, pretty much. At least I didn't hear about it till after the season or towards the end of the season. And you look at the, the Toronto park factors, they're almost equal to like San Francisco, if that makes you feel. So, A, you could say that's how good their offense is. Or this is why some of their pitchers probably pitch pretty darn good there. And that'll favor a heavy ground ball guy like Burrios, the good defense behind him. And uh, I just I, I love him. And the last thing I'll mention is I talked about it with uh, Woodruff earlier. One of my focuses from drafts, because I, I screwed it up last year and just listening to so many smart people, is you need innings and at-bats. That's like your key to success. 
And um, I, I struggled in innings and strikeouts a lot last year. Well, Barrios was an accumulator, so he gets to your strikeouts because he throws a bunch of innings. He threw 192 innings last year. If you take out that short 2020, it's 192 or more innings in three of the last four seasons. He is another workhorse. They can get much later in drafts. And I know um, I have a friend, James McCool, who was on my show a couple episodes ago, and he did an accumulation of like seven or eight different projections, like all the ones you see on fan graphs and some other websites, accumulated them all. And he has a like an AADP uh, value kind of thing, like finding value due to ADP on NFBC. Barrios is the best value in the entire draft, according to accumulating all of the projections. Like, so you, you can't just cherry pick what you want. Literally, just it's like a blank name. So you don't even know which projection it is. Just throws them all in together. He's the best value. And I'm not saying that means go draft him now, but it's just more proof that I think. And I say it every single draft season. He's underappreciated for what he does to your roster. You just plug him in and forget about him. You don't have to worry about him. And that that says that that makes life a lot easier. Let's put it that way. I mean, everything you said it's is very true. It's it's somebody that's not a sexy pick, it's but not you sexy get him and you feel but you feel good about it when you have him. You, you know, he's your SP two, SP three, depending how aggressive you are with pitching. And I think people were concerned at first when he went to Toronto because he had really bad splits against the AL East in his career prior, but he showed that you know what, like he can adjust and he looked pretty darn good last year doing it. And just to highlight some points you said, I mean, the innings pitched, like you said, 192 or more innings in three of the last four years, over nine, uh, over nine Ks per nine in three of the last four years. You know, he's uh, not walking guys at too high of a clip and not giving up too many home runs either. He actually only gave up 1.03 home runs per nine last year. So he's keeping the ball in the ballpark. And sometimes people will look at left on base percentage and say, hey, like they're due for regression if they left a lot on base or due for regression if, you know, or or the other way around if they didn't leave a lot on base. But, you know, very consistent with his left on base percentage. So it seems like that type of number would stick year to year. So very much very consistent. I I like the pick there. LC, you are a big you Darvish guy. And mm-hmm. you're one of the few people that I've actually heard advocating for you, Darvish. Many people either don't talk about him or seem like they're a little bit off on him. So why should we be in on you, Darvish? You, Darvish, had had a, a, a poor second half, just like uh, just like Kevin Gossman. He he actually his the only worse second half than you, Darvish, was the entire San Diego Padres roster who who just stunk up the second half last year. And and for that's part of the reason why I give. Darvish a slight pass on his second half because uh, he stunk and the whole roster stunk and that really tanked his season as as uh, as you look at it his first half uh, was just what you would expect second half disaster I think coming back last season was his first year in San Diego uh, he had a you know it's the, the whole team had had sort of a, a poor culture and it just didn't work I think coming back, he has a good chance to get like a fresh start with a great manager. Um, and uh, and what do you get with Darvish? You get a ton of strikeouts. You get excellent whip. Um, he gives you volume. He's made at least 30 starts uh, in the last two full seasons that he's played. And he didn't miss any starts in, in the short in 2020. So I think that when you look at him yet last year, his home ERA 3.38, his road ERA 5.54 last year. I think when you, when you start to look at, at how sort of uneven this season was a little bit of evening and, 
out of, of, of the, of the rough parts and you're getting Darvish back at like a, you know, top 20 starting pitcher, top 15 starting pitcher, maybe even better than that. He was going as an ace just one year ago. And I really don't think that, you know, why we drafted him, the skills have fallen off. Uh, I, I, I really think that, you know, where he's going right around pick 100, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's one of the best, uh, one of the best bargains in the draft, a guy who, who produces the strikeouts that he does, the volume that he does and the whip. Now he's, he does produce generally a, a bit higher ERA that the home run, the home run issue he, he had in the second half. That's something that has crept up with him uh, uh, a few times, but as long as you are, are, are able to, to, to stomach uh, or, or cushion someone who might be like a, you know, a four ERA, you're going to get strikeouts. You're going to get whip and it's going to be a, a nice addition to your staff. Marty, you Darvish is going right about pick one Oh one Blake Snell's going around pick one fourteen. Who would you rather have of the two? Well, I got to go with who I've actually been drafting more and that's Blake Snell. He's, he kind of just falls right in line there, um, you know, each time. I think he even has bigger question marks than you, Darvish, at least for me. But um, I think the skill, he's a little bit younger, um, you know, obviously on the same team, but uh, it'll be Snell for me. Yeah, that's kind of where I've been leaning as well. I think also, hopefully, if he ditches the change up like he did at the end of last year, that could be something like he looked like a whole new pitcher. Yep. Uh, but, but our, again, I know you're, you're big on you, Darvish. You're, you, I mean, if he bounces back, we've seen what he's like at his best. He's one of the best in baseball at that point, and you're getting him after pick 100. So, you know, it's not like you have to spend significant capital. So it's a good risk you can take there. Marty, wrap up this for us. You, This is your guy. If, if I'm boy. ever going to put a pitcher to your name, this is who it is. It's Lance Lynn. Lance Lynn, the uh, Stone Cold. Love here. Dude, yeah. I love it. Hey, he's the Stone Cold Steve Austin of baseball, baby. He I is. mean, there's no <laughs> one I'd rather see pitch. I actually got to see him in Detroit perform. He's dropping, dropping F-bombs just as much as strikeouts. So I absolutely love Lance Lynn. Last year had a 2.69 ERA, 2.62 X ERA, which is in the 94th percentile. And even looking to his more advanced numbers, his FIP was 3.32, which is nothing to snuff at. I've already gone over about the AL Central, how it's a little bit weaker. Uh, the wins are going to be there. And we've used the word um, workhorse and bulldog so far tonight, and I can't think of a better combo name this for Lance Lynn. Yeah. That's, that's who he is. Um, Steamer projection for 187 innings, which I think is right on. Um, his expected batting average against last year was uh, 1.98 or uh, 198. And then even though he obviously all he does is throw fastballs, right? He has like four different types of fastballs and he kind of uses this change up a little bit, but his hard hit rate is still in the 69th percentile. So even though he's just throwing gas, they're still not getting, you know, um, full contact on them. And from a roster built uh, construction standpoint, let's say if you went with the DeGrom, let's say you went with the Bieber and you're a little, uh, you know, you're like, I don't know if if the innings are going to be there uh, because of, uh, you know, potential injury. Um, he's somebody that you can just draft and you know, he's going to be there. He's going to get you at least 180 innings and looking around. I mean, Max Freed, Gossman, Flaherty, Darvish, those all, all those guys have big question marks with Lance Lynn. There are, there is no question, baby. He's a beast. Yeah. I mean, you know what you're getting with Lance Lynn at this point. He's shown, I think many of us were kind of skeptical when he first broke out after kind of what he did with St. Louis and you were like, okay, when he went over to Texas and you were, you were a little skeptical of it, but he's done it now over the last few years to where we know what we're getting with him innings, strikeouts, durability. That's Lance Lynn. 
now we don't have to stay with you too long, Marty, because you you are fading Kevin Gosman to finish this out. Was there anything we said about Kevin Gosman that you would like to add for why we should fade him? No, you guys absolutely did it. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's good podcasting right there, Marty. Keep it short and sweet. Uh, let's go back to you, Bubba. Jack Flaherty, who is somebody that's very interesting. He's had such a weird career where he's looked great for spurts and then he's looked bad for spurts. He's been hurt. How do we judge Jack Flaherty? What? Why should we avoid him? Yeah, for me, a lot of it's the injuries. Like I know 2020 was a COVID thing. It was a weird year for the Cardinals in general. Like I tried to give him a grain of salt on that one, but then you saw 2021, he couldn't stay healthy and he just wasn't that effective. Like you talked to him earlier about, I think it was Woodruff or somebody's stack cast page was blood red. Yeah, Flaherty's is blue, like like ice cold. It, it, it's Mr. not Freeze. good. Yeah, yeah, he's Mr. Freeze. He's not his chase rate's one of the worst in baseball. He's a ton of barrels, a lot of hard contact. Um, all of his X stats do not look promising. And he throws a ton of fastballs that just aren't effective. Um, it's it's uh, it's a very very weird profile for a guy that at one point in 2019, 196 innings and looked like you know the next best thing. And now he can't stay on the field. He can't stay, you know, he tons of fly balls, giving up the long ball. It's just a weird dynamic with Flaherty that, you know, maybe he bounces back. Maybe he's, you can almost use the U Darvish conversation on him. Like, hey, he'll figure it out and, and come back this season. I just haven't seen any glimpse of hope. Or at least Darvish, you could look at what happened with him last year and he can kind of point to a couple of things and, and look for some regression in the right direction. Where Flaherty, I just can't find it yet. And, uh, so it's just one of those where if I can't convince myself of anything positive, I'm just going to avoid him. So Flaherty is uh, on zero rosters for me, and I really don't see any time that he will be this season. And I, I've always said, and it's it's part of the deal, is I'm okay being wrong on somebody, but I'm going all in on wrong on somebody, and, and Flaherty will be one of them. He's also going in a range that's – there's a lot of guys around. Yeah, my that dude's are, right above him. Yeah, like, I mean – uh, Logan Webb, Joe Musgrove, Jose Barrios. Obviously, that's your guy. Dylan Cease. Love Cease. Yeah, right, right after him. Alec, I mean, the intriguing guys of oh, Alec oh. Manoa, Frankie Monta. So, Morgan, yeah. I mean, this is the like, if, if, unless you're Jack Flaherty is someone you're very big on, this is the type of where you're like, okay, I'm going to take the other guys here. So, I, I can completely understand that. Is there anybody here that's a big Jack Flaherty fan? Like, I'm not saying you don't like him, but is there anybody that actually is, finding yourself drafting a good amount of him. I think the biggest thing you said is look who's going around him. It makes life a lot easier to go a different direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right, Elsie, finish this out. Your dislike is somebody that it pains my heart because I've been scooping him up a lot more recently. Yeah, Justin Verlander. Well, with the news that came out that he's not going to be uh, ready to go on opening day, he said he was, quote unquote, a a hair behind and likely won't be built up to 100 pitches by opening day. I don't understand why the fact that he can't throw 100 pitches means that he can't be the opening day starter. I was confused by that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Can he throw 80? Is it that he can only throw 20? Like what is what what is the actual um, what is the actual news here? Um, So he's going to be he's 39. I think he just turned 39. I, I did a little bit of snooping as guys. Guys who who are all time greats, when they got to their late thirties, early forties, how many of them missed an entire season? I miss okay. it all the time. <laughs> yeah, I think the only guy I could think of who missed an entire season that late in his career was Burt Blylevin, and he came back and he wasn't he wasn't the same thing. He wasn't the same. 
all the guys who pitched into their 40s and were effective into their 40s did not have late career injuries. So to me, it's just a red flag. I think Verlander could be a league winner for you, but uh, I think it's a risk. And and he's going he's going right around. Yeah, you know, like Trevor Rogers goes right before him, uh, and and right behind him, there's a lot of guys. I I think that he's pretty risky where he's going. So I'm I'm just fading. Yeah, I mean, I can understand that. Would you did you feel that way before this news came out today? I mean, I was loving when he was going at 160. I was like, give me all the Justin Verlander shares at 150, 160. Now that he's going in the top 100, it's just that he's not swimming with Marcus Stroman. He's not swimming in the Marcus Stroman waters anymore. <laughs> yeah. He's swimming in the Trevor Rogers waters now. And and that's just not it's not the same, it's not the same pool. He's swimming with your guy, you Darvish, too. You, you bite your nut, your your tongue on that Marcus Stroman slander over there. <laughs> no, sl- no slander. I love Marcus Stroman. I just think that uh, that he's a, he's a step down from these other guys. Mindy just said it though. I think um, Darvish versus Verlander is a quite an interesting discussion, to be honest. Yeah, uh, they're right around each other, and that's your love versus your your stay away. So you're all in on skipping Verlander and getting Darvish. You know, I mean, their ADP is actually close, ninety-seven to one hundred and one. But you're you're Darvish all day, LC. I am absolutely. I think Darvish is is healthy, and uh, I'm sure I'm pretty sure of that. So that that's that's a big big check in his column for me. What about you, Marty? Darvish or Verlander? You Darvish, without a doubt. Ooh. What about you, Bubba? Yeah, I'll take the Verlander train on this one. Um, I have nothing against Darvish, but for me is when you're looking to like win at least an overall competition per se you want that ceiling and darvish could give it to you i agree with a lot of the things cheesecake said but with verlander my one concern my one thought is if he is going to come back and pitch and they paid him to pitch he's not going to get held back like a normal guy coming Mm -hmm. off tj like he's going out there until his arm falls off and i'll take that verlander more often than not like so like legit, the dude could throw 160 innings this year compared to the normal like 200, and where his ADP is could be a steal. So that's where I do like Verlander a lot. It's a fair argument though, because he, you know, coming off TJ, usually we don't see a lot of greatness. Like you saw Chris Sale last year, who I like a lot this year, but we saw how much you know he got hit around. Like the strikeouts are there, but you could see the signs of coming back from TJ kind of still slowing him down a little bit at times, and that could easily happen with Verlander. And I could be wrong, but. The ADP, it's like, I don't know about you guys. I don't remember last time Verlander was this late in a draft. It's been a yeah. long time. So maybe that's just the nostalgia of it. But I, I do believe that he's going to, if he's out there, he's, he's going deep. Yeah. I mean, and, but we kind of alluded to it too. They're paying him $25 million. Like, like they had to make sure that he was going to look good enough to pitch, even if it's not, not right away or maybe he misses a start. Like, you gotta you gotta bank on this guy. This guy seems like he has a rubber arm or as close as you can to it. Cause uh there's guys like Clayton Kershaw and other players that, that you know they're coming back after an injury and you've more like for some reason I don't feel that same type of concern yeah. for him, even with this news. And it sounds like Bubba, you're with me on that as well. Yep. So but very interesting. Obviously, the ADPs are gonna keep shifting and we're gonna get more news on players as the spring training games eventually will start ramping up and it's gonna be fun. It's gonna help clarify things even more. But as we stand today, I think we kind of covered the SP one through thirty landscape pretty darn good. So with that said, let's go now to our question of the week, which of course is sponsored by Monkey Night Fight. 
as Triple Play Fantasy is an official affiliate to Monkey Knife Fight, the fastest growing sports betting site in the United States. If you're a new depositor and you use code Triple Play, we'll match you up to $100 instantly. 100% of that. So $100 for $100 sounds pretty darn good to me. So our question this week that I uh, unfairly audibled on Bubba, so this is the first time he'll hear it, he'll have a chance to think. If you could have access to one player's jewelry collection, this could be active or retired, who would it be and why? So you can think of who rocked the best jewelry when they played or if you've seen their closet and they have all that stuff hanging there. So this is an interesting question. Marty, thinking of the question, must have a really good answer. So Marty, I'm going to go to you first while Bubba thinks. Who's your answer? Well, first it was – well, I, I'm not going to say who I, I, I was thinking about doing, but I want to keep on this uh, Chicago White Sox train. And if you actually look at their entire team, there is so much gold around so many of their, their necks. It's absolutely incredible. But I'm going to go with Jose Abreu, the MVP. Um, he, he has at least four chains on at all time. You know, they're hanging down, down to his chest. And one of them has a medallion that has um, has a crown on it for the king. So for me, it's absolutely him. He has always has the chew in. You know, he's just he's just he looks great. Jose, you got a lot of White Sox tonight, Mark. Are you sure you're a Tigers fan? That's because I watch so many Tigers games and I see what a good team looks like. I'm like, oh, that's (laughs) (laughs) good. Pretty good answer. Uh, All right, Elsie, who's your pick? Um. The first thing I thought of when I read this question was was the amount of purse clutching that would go on in the 90s when these players first started wearing jewelry on the field. There was so much. It was a scandal. These guys with their gold chains. It's like now it seems it seems so backwards to even think about it that way. But that's why my mind went to a guy like Barry Bonds, who was one of the biggest targets. Yeah, he'd wear the earrings. He had he had to tuck his chain in his shirt. Uh, so he was one of the biggest targets of this, you know, I don't know what, what a, of the purse clutching. Uh, um, so Bonds is the guy. I want his just because I'm, I'm rooting for for someone to, to be in his corner for for being one of the first guys to come out and wear that jewelry. I'm surprised nobody's mentioned Fernando Tatis. Do you guys That's know that big, big one? Do you guys know the one that he wears around his neck, the big the, one? The clock. Yeah, it's uh, it's called El Nino, and it's worth two hundred thousand dollars. Well, it'll probably be more expensive than his wrist surgery. <laughs> yeah, I mean, goodness gracious! I mean, you have the money. I guess you can wear what you want, but that's. Yeah. Uh, Bubba, do you have one that comes to mind? Yeah, it's actually fun because Art mentioned like you think the grease back hair in the eighties with the chains and the you know Griffey and had the earrings and. Ricky Henderson always had the massive gold chains and he had like the rings on after the game and everything. He's all blinged out. So Ricky would probably be one of them. Cause you even see the picture where he holds up the base. He had like three chains on and it was, it was almost the Abreu example. Like Ricky was being Ricky. And so I'll probably go Ricky, but I did want to give like a current one. Cause I, I'm always bad at this game. I give like four answers, but um, <laughs> the, the, the two current guys, I feel bad not mentioning jazz Chisholm cause he's my dog. Mm-hmm. Like he's got the grill and the, he's got the whole setup. But since Marty hates his, his tiger so much, Javi freaking Baez rocks yeah. all kinds yeah. of ice or gold, whatever you kids call it these days. He has everything. And like I, I tweeted it out because I love Candelario this year. And Javi just looks sweet in that new Detroit Tiger spring training lid. Like 
awesome. And there's a picture of the two of them. Javi's got the hoodie on with the cutoff sleeves, and and, and I coach tweeted said "Bad Boys for Life." I'm like, this is this is them right here. So um, I go like it's Javi and Chisholm, but if you want to go for real, it's Ricky Henderson. Like he was like him and Vince Coleman back in the days when they're stealing bases everywhere. But um, Ricky Henderson was he was the man. Still is the man, to be honest. Like, who, what major league baseball player has a field named after him in major league baseball? Like, Oakland Coliseum is like Ricky Henderson Field. So it's ridiculous. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. yeah if you look, if, well, I don't blame you because most people don't watch A's games. But um, <laughs> usually, usually behind home plate, it's a picture of like Ricky and like a home plate, like painted into the grass. It's Ricky Henderson Field at Oco Coliseum. Mm hmm. Yeah, and for you younger uh, younger listeners, hop on YouTube, type in, uh, type in a Ricky Henderson documentary. There's about an hour documentary on him about him growing up in um, Oakland, and you know, just being just everything that Ricky is. It's it's a great way you'll to spend see, an hour. You'll see why he talks in the third person as much as he does. Like he's just he's different, great human being, just different. And um, yeah, the when he was running wild the way he was, and then he the lead off. He, he leads. I think he still leads baseball on leadoff home runs. Mm-hmm. Obviously the steals thing, but the bat flip he would give, like that's when they weren't cool. And he'd do the little hop like Tatis does. Like he had the whole thing before all these guys did. And uh, but then he'd get thrown at because that's how it was back then. <laughs> God, such a different game, but I oh, mean but uh yeah, Ricky Henderson it's, I actually have to look up more pictures of him with all the jewelry because I don't remember even him wearing all that Just stuff. Just search the one where he won the where he set the record. He's holding the base up and he's got it all, dude. It's wild. Oh man. Okay. I'm gonna look that up as we get transitioning. He was to mentally our... prepared to set the record and wanted to look good. I guarantee you that was his thought process. He wanted to look good because it was photo time. Let's see. Oh yeah, look at that. <laughs> wow. He, he definitely has to know. Oh man, that's fantastic. Um, all right, let's get to the last segment of the night. It's game of the week time. And Marty's hosting Bubba. One of the few new things we do on this show now is we get some mood music going when we do our game of the week. We like to we keep it chill. This is like you're you're in the car ride home at night. You just listen to some tunes. I get our night driving soundtrack going. And Marty, oh, yeah, this sets the tone. All right, so Marty, <laughs> you go ahead. What are we playing? Alrighty, so um, as you guys know, um, I am a huge fan of dogs. I am a hashtag dog dad. And so, and Bubba, you have a dog as well? I think at least one. I, I see two. Yeah. So there we go. So, um, you know, we love our pets. And so what I did was I picked, um, I'm going to go through a, you know, each Major League Baseball player. I'm going to go through what team they're on and what kind of dog they have. You got to guess who's, you know, who's, uh, whose puppy it is. So, um, okay. uh, yeah, I'm going to start okay. I'll start here. Uh, Dave, we'll do Price of Right style. Uh, we'll start with David and then you know go around the horn. So number one, this Angels player has a bright white Pomeranian named Josie. Is it Noah Syndergaard, Shohei Otani, Anthony Rendon, or Mike Trout? A bright white Pomeranian named Josie. David, starting with you. Uh, I'm going with the first option of which player that was Noah Syndergaard yeah Noah Syndergaard okay Art I feel like Shohei Otani would not name his dog Josie yeah um 
That's how close. I'm going to go, go, go with Mike Trout. Bubba, I'm going Thor. Thor. All right. Well, the answer is Mike Trout. Oh, oh the layup. Yep. <laughs> oh man, it was uh, too easy. You know, I feel but, pretty uh, good with the with the Thor answer too. Um, so uh, keep track of your own scores. I can't do everything. Uh, <laughs> it is like it is like <laughs> we never lost your brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the biggest insult to Marty on this show. I'm sorry, Marty. I like too much. I'm sorry. Jeez. That's all right. I just hope I I really hope Doc doesn't listen back to this. He's gonna just. Yeah. <laughs> I love okay, messing with Doc. It's so much fun messing with Doc. He yeah, finally beat me in the game last time, so <laughs> it, it's only fair he didn't show up to defend his title. That's right. Uh, when he, he, he forgot that when he hears when he listens back, he's gonna oh, yeah. regret not being. Oh, yeah. He never forgot that. Don't you worry. He knows. It's like there's a man. It's above his mantle. Sorry, Marty. As you were. No worries. Well, before I actually hop into the second one, um, a little teaser for the listeners who's been with us for so long. We're actually uh, counting up who is who has the most wins of the game of the week and mm-hmm. that should be done here shortly so obviously i won't be a winner here but i'm thinking maybe percentage the game wise maybe i might be in the, the conversation <laughs> it's good yeah. use of our towson interns time for there sure <laughs> <laughs> all right number two this texas ranger has a multi-spotted toy australian shepherd named hazel this texas ranger has a multi-spotted toy australian shepherd named hazel is it john gray Marcus Simeon, Corey Seeger, or Willie Calhoun? Starting first with you, Art. Um, it's an Australian dog, and I think Willie Calhoun sounds really good in an Australian accent. <laughs> so I'm going to go with Willie Calhoun. How long have you been holding out a good Australian accent? That was good. The whole time. The whole time. <laughs> Bubba? Uh, I'm going to go with Marcus Simeon. He sounds like someone that named a dog Hazel. Okay. And David? The first one that came to my mind was Willie Calhoun. So I feel like if I go away from that, I'll regret it. So I'll go Calhoun as well. It is actually the new slugger, Corey Seager. Oh, that's not a slugger. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Art, you're winning so far with one. All right, number three. This Dodger has a little brown chihuahua named Leo. Is it Clayton Kershaw, Trey Turner, Cody Bellinger? Or Mookie Betts. Ooh, this is gonna hurt my feelings, but I'm gonna say Trey Turner. Okay, David. Clayton Kershaw. No, he's Art. a Texas boy. Uh, Chihuahua. I, I thought I thought you might have a Hispanic player, and I was gonna go straight to Hispanic for the Chihuahua. Uh, <laughs> I actually literally said that to my girlfriend that I like I was looking for a Dodger just to throw that in there. To, but you know, former Dodger Enrique Hernandez. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna guess Mookie. Leo Urias would have been a good call. Yeah, <laughs> but who was it? I guess Mookie. Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts is the answer, Art. I think my he... second guess. <laughs> <laughs> LC, you must know something about the dogs that we don't. Cheesecake knows his dogs. <laughs> yeah, he uh, does. I know the dogs. He's got his answers all, under his baseball hat. That's what he's got. I'm all on dog Twitter. You guys have no idea about dog Twitter. <laughs> that'd be a fun, that'd be a much better Twitter than we're on most of the time. Oh, yeah. Sometimes, yeah. A lot more positive, <laughs> for sure. All right, number four. This slugger has a chocolate lab named Swag. Ooh. A chocolate lab named Swag. Is it Bryce Harper? Pete Alonzo? Ronald Acuna Jr. or Javi Baez? Starting with you, David. That's a lot of swaggy guys. I feel like you did throw one tiger in there, so I'll say Javi Baez. Art? 
I think Ronald Acuna has swag, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Acuna. And Bubba, Bryce Harper. It is Bryce Harper. Oh, <laughs> Bubba gets on the board there. You got it there. So yeah, Bryce Harper has a chocolate lab named Swag, and is absolutely beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number five. This New York Yankee has a German Shepherd, Australian Shepherd mix. And the dog's name is Lucky. So a German Shepherd named Lucky. Is it, well, when I when I put, when I I put wrote this uh, two days ago, Gary Sanchez was a Yankee. So is it, <laughs> was it Gary Sanchez, Giancarlo Stanton, Aaron Judge, or Garrett Cole? Art, starting with you. Um... I'm gonna go with the. Uh, I'm gonna go with Sanchez because we'd be lucky if he hit 200. <laughs> oh, ouch! I'm gonna go Garrett Cole. Okay, David. I think the only way I can win this game is if I pick something different than both of them. So I'll say, I'll go Aaron Judge. And using that reasoning, you got the correct answer. It is Aaron Judge. <laughs> my second choice has been the best one. I got to start. The <laughs> Don't go with your gut. Go with your other answer. Oh, damn it. All right. Number six. And this is the last one that I have. I have one in the back of the mind in case there's a tiebreaker. Um, but um, this white. Be. Maybe. That's right. It's two one to one, I think. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Art's winning so far. So okay. You're, you're going to have to be able to. Uh, don't guess what our guess is. Uh, this White Sox player has an English bulldog named Limbo. An English bulldog named Limbo. Is it? <laughs> is it Tim Anderson, Jose Abreu, Yoan Moncada, or Lance Lynn? Oh man, that's a good one. A bulldog. Yoan Moncada. Okay. It can't be. You would be a layup if you did Lance Lynn as the bulldog. Like that's. It's too obvious. Is it? Um. What was the first two options? Um, Tim Anderson, Jose Abreu, Yoan Moncada, or Lance. Jose Abreu. Yeah. Art. I'm going the bulldog is Lance Lynn, just just because I feel like the obvious answer is going to make David feel stupid now. <laughs> well, unfortunately, David did it again because it is Jose Abreu. Oh, we're about to pull now. this off, boys. We're about to pull this off. So. Um, I'm gonna have to go. I'm gonna have to do this off the top of my head. Um, <laughs> How many? What? What number am I thinking of right now? <laughs> this man. This one should be easy though. because I've never seen so much coverage of a dog from a, a baseball player. But um, it's just a straight up: either know it or you don't, guys. Um, this Dodger pitcher has a dog named Astro. You really uh, George, don't know your dogs. You guys on Instagram? George Jetson. Um, <laughs> no, current, Dodger. <laughs> current Dodger pitcher. Oh, must be someone Jen, who hates. Jetson was someone, released. He must have been. It can't be someone who hates the Astros because good name is dog. Uh, can we just like, we'll go one. <laughs> Clayton David Price. No. Dustin May. It's David Price. It is David Price. Art- yes. <laughs> when he was with Tampa Bay, he had him all over everything yep. he had. He took him down. Yep. You know, it's, it's a big thing. His dog's a big thing for him. And I will say this, though. RIP to Astro. He did pass last yeah. year, so it's not currently his dog. You know, that was oh. the one up top. How did you know head. that, Art? It was, it, it was the it was dog Twitter. That's what I'm telling <laughs> you. I need to subscribe because. All right, make but sure I- the interns give Art another win. That comeback for nothing. That's so. That's such a waste. Oh, man. All right. Well, I'll have to get over this one, I guess. But 
And anyway, on that note, Bubba, thanks so much for joining the show tonight, man. It's always a blast having you here. It, it felt like it'd been a long time, long overdue. So just thanks for coming back on and, and thanks for your time, buddy. Anytime, guys. Like I've said, I, I love what you guys are doing. You're always a fun bunch. Uh, it's not like anything too serious. We can goof off, and that's my kind of uh, fantasy talk. So I, I love all you guys, and I, I keep wishing you guys the best as you guys keep getting bigger and better. So uh, thanks for having me. And again, anytime, I'm always available. Well, feeling is mutual. We love you. You're uh, one of our favorite guests of all time, and I would be remiss if I didn't let you plug all the amazing things you're doing right now in case our audience for some reason, had not heard of your stuff. They need to hear it right now. Yeah, just go to my Twitter, at BDNTrick. I look at the the profile. You'll see all of it. But if there's one thing to take away, bench with Bubba. Go listen to that. That's my uh, that's my go-to. But I write at a lot of places. I record a lot of things. You'll, you'll get it if you follow me on Twitter. I tweet out too much stuff. So just go, <laughs> go to BDNTrick on Twitter. And congratulations on the Baseball Pods podcast win today, the Baseball Podcast Bracket. Dad made sure Thank we you. threw that in there. <laughs> I don't know yeah, if we, you saw it. We still don't know how we were the one seed. We can't figure that one out. <laughs> Did you see the gifts or the uh, the things that uh, baseball? Oh, yeah. Uh, I, was t- I was tagged in every one of them. <laughs> <laughs> they were they were fantastic, but the better group won. Uh, you guys are definitely a strong one seed. I think you guys are going to go far. I'm interested to see how how well you do. And for people that check this one out, this will be out after our voting. So I guess we can't say vote for us because you'll be hearing this on Thursday, but uh, hopefully we made it through our round and uh, we'll be able to, to move forward here. But in the meantime, everybody, thanks so much for listening either to the podcast or if you watch on YouTube, thanks so much for being subscribed and checking it out next week. We'll be doing our starting pitcher part two preview with Scott Jenstad, which is always a fun show. So until then, everyone stay safe out there. Happy drafting. And we're going to make like a bread truck and we're going to haul these buns. Catch you guys.